It's the 120 Podcast coming at you from normal Illinois. Benjamin Hootie is just down the street from me, but we're both in our personal studios with our fancy backdrops. Now we don't have to see closets anymore or just my laundry pile and Cubs poster. No, we got fancy backdrops. We both got a W flag. Uh, I got some movie posters. Ben's got a big Chicago flag. We got tons of stuff. We spent about 20 minutes before we started recording doing like little room tours when we very well could have been doing it in person. He's literally right down the street. Yeah. Um, but here we are for another episode of 120. Going to get back to recording every week like we had the last couple weeks of the summer. And the Cubs, amid what we have once called the easiest stretch of the schedule, have been doing a good enough job to win a few series here. The White Sox, of course, a split and now taking two out of three from the Royals ahead of tonight's tigers start or by the time you hear this it'll be game two against detroit but we are recording on monday yeah and i think we could hop right into that game two tomorrow join us live on the psf app we talked about it last week we're excited you can see our full live reactions live coverage from the game join us on the psf app by the time you're listening to this i think we're starting right around 5 15 yep Super exciting stuff. So join us on the PSF app. Download it, as we said last week. Uh, you'll be seeing a lot of us on there. And uh, one of one of the things I love most about it is that graphic they made for us. What a beautiful, yeah, what a beautiful graphic that is. It is sick. It's blue, red, all of our favorite colors. Sick picture of vintage Wrigley Field. Go check it out on Twitter. And it has Ben and I's mug on there for some reason. Little diamonds. Uh, even though no one want, no one asked for that. But no, I'm I'm kidding. They asked for yours maybe. Uh, as we start the stream tomorrow for the game two against Detroit, 540 game time, 515. Join us on Pro Sports Fans on the App Store. You can join our stream by joining the Cubs fans fan page uh, in the chat uh, options on the app. So search Cubs fans as like the chat room. And then through that, you'll see there's a stream going on with two of the chat's hosts. But you might recognize their names as myself and Ben. And yep. that is our stream. Ben, I think, is the official host. And I will be joining in later as the co-host. Um, as we start that stream so look for ben's account and he will have that stream going as we watch the cubs game live with any 120 fans and officially have our first pitch as it pertains to the pro sports fans app you know i almost said kickoff but i feel, i've always felt weird about saying a kickoff when it comes to baseball, baseball. i want to say first pitch yeah even though kickoff could mean just a kickoff of anything it doesn't necessarily mean the beginning of a football game but i feel like that's where the analogy comes from so correct but you know what I'm excited. I think this is going to be this is going to be so much fun. You could actually join you could request to join us on the mm-hmm. live stream. So if you want to come and watch a couple innings with us, maybe we'll let you in if we yeah, like you would, enough. Would love to <laughs> would love to have some 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 friends and listeners hop in the the pod for a couple innings or an inning or two. Maybe a a Manning cast style interview amid the game. We that's one of the things that the PSF people described it to us as almost yeah. a Manning cast style. So uh, if you, and if you don't know what I'm, or if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, if you're not a big football fan, yeah, Peyton and Eli Manning, the former NFL quarterbacks used to, or I think they still do the last couple of seasons on ESPN two during Monday night football, they would have their own version of the game where they weren't broadcasting as much as they were just talking about the game, talking about life while watching the game, almost like you're watching the game with your buddies. And that's what PSF is. Right. So I would love to have some, some people join us tomorrow For or tonight sure. by the time this airs. But yeah, let's get back into this past week of baseball, I think. Yes. So let's talk about the Chicago Cubs. So first, let's start with that White Sox series, Ben. Of course, game one was not what we thought. The Cubs taking the loss in that one, five to three to open that home stretch against the White Sox. And if you think back to what I said 
I think Ben clipped it for our Instagram and TikTok. If you don't follow those, follow them at 120pod, all spelled out. I think Ben clipped it for our social channels. I said uh, last episode that the last time the Cubs played the White Sox, the whole season changed, and it could change again now if they don't keep it up. And at some point late in uh, in game two, after they lost game one, it seemed like maybe I had not knocked on wood enough or something. No, yeah. Uh, you're talking about, I'm assuming you're referring to that Christopher Morrell Homer, right? Well, yes, we'll get there. But I meant before that, before oh, yeah. Homer came in and shut it down, before Nikki Two Strikes had a, had a home run uh, to to bring it one one closer. It seemed like the Cubs season was going to was going to come crumbling down against the White Sox. If you would have lost both at home against the White Sox, that's double the loss. Yeah, it it, it was a disgusting 17 innings of baseball, to, to yes. put it the least. Cubs offense, uh, game one, Cubs offense got off to a, a pretty decent start, really slowed down after that. And then Luis Robert hit. I We, we got to talk about Cubs pitching really quick. What is the reason? And it happened with Bobby Witt this weekend and P. Alonzo the weekend before. What is it up with Cubs pitching deciding to throw fastballs right down the middle to uh, the team's best hitters on both sides? It happened with P. Alonzo, Luis Robert, and now Bobby Witt this past weekend. But Luis Robert just crushes a two-run homer, I think, puts them in that the That was lead. all it took, yeah. And then they ended up scoring one more uh, in the uh, top of the ninth. So kind of took the Cubs yeah. out of it and – the same thing kind of happened the next day where it was just not good offense. Seemed like it was going to be a wash and the Cubs were going to get swept by uh, the White Sox. But thankfully, uh started off with Nicky Madrigal off the bench. Yeah, so I was at the game that they lost and Lou Bob's home run. Oh, my God, it was beautiful. But it was it also was so deflating. And there's a reason why no one's talking about it a week later, because Morrell had a better hand yeah. the next day. and. As as uh, Ben said, we see the Nick Madrigal home run. Of course, the Cubs end up stopping that inning there by hitting into a double play. And then the, also in the eighth inning, Michael Fulmer, just absolute lockdown. So cool to see. Just so cold. Just That's... took care of business with the bases loaded, got out of it, and then walked off the mound like he's been there before, which he has, honestly. He, it just took a while to get back to it. And then we get into the bottom of the ninth. And I believe it was Bellinger and Swanson both got on. Bellinger hit a double that looked like he pimped it at first. I think he thought he mm-hmm. got all of it, but it hit off the top of the wall. Got over to second. Swanson worked a great walk right away. Got uh, two men on against a, a a guy that, you know, obviously the White Sox have been up and down this year. But Gregory Santos, their closer, has been yeah. pretty reliable all year long as a rookie. And I think he they definitely got a guy in the future in Santos. But yeah, you turn it over to Christopher Morrell right there. I'm pretty sure zero outs in that inning, too, when Morrell hit that yeah. homer. So He got down to an 0-2 count with two Baez-esque swings, looking to put one on Waveland. And then, as Boog was saying, Santos has been a good young pitcher. That pitch was the one that was put on a tee for the fast swing of Christopher Morrell. And into the basket, that's all she wrote. And he ran the bases at just an absolute track speed. If you haven't seen the clip by now, why are you listening to this podcast? I mean, everyone and their mother did. It, if you weren't watching live, you got to have seen that clip. They had an awesome drone view above Wrigley going on, yeah. too, because, because they just happened to be doing that that night on Marquee. They kept cutting to it, and it happens to be a walk-off. Like, you can't write that. You can't script that. That's amazing. Yeah. What a win. What a way to get back on track to get back in the train tracks for this team after that loss against the White Sox. 
uh, amid this this really easy stretch. Yeah, and you know it's it's getting to the point now where Christopher Morel is becoming, as you said earlier, Javi Baez esque. He is turning into possibly the most clutch player on the Cubs. And I think that's really because of the energy that Wrigley Field feels when that guy comes up to the plate. He's becoming a fan favorite before our eyes. I would say for a younger audience, he's probably most younger kids' favorite player, especially after mm-hmm. that home run now. And just he he is turning into just a great player right before our eyes. And he did it against Toronto on Saturday when he had the go-ahead double in the ninth to put the Cubs mm-hmm. on top and win the game, and then he just does it again against the White Sox and just electric moment, running around the bases, throwing his helmet up in the air. He's rounding third base. Yeah. Flies his jersey off. Just such a great moment. My favorite my favorite clip from the drone view was actually when um, – I don't know if you saw this, but uh, – Cody was waiting to tag because obviously yeah, they, they, was, they were running on each other's heels. Dansby almost passed up Bellinger, which would have just been mm-hmm. tragic. Mm-hmm. But Dansby literally, he was already going and he was right at second base as Bellinger was waiting to tag. And Bellinger sees the ball go out, turns around, and Dansby's right on his heels. Thought he was going to pass him up, but thankfully he didn't. Just an electric moment. And who would have thought after that Mike Talkman catch early in the year that we would have had a better moment later in the yeah. season than that. It's it just was... like uh rookie of the year when when Henry Rowengarder is trying to round third and the the fast adult baseball player is riding his heels. That was Dansby and Cody Bellinger. Yeah. The the funniest thing about Chris Morrell, too, is this catapults him into just like unmistakable Cubs fan immortality. Like no matter what he does, he could, he could go get traded to Oakland next season and he still will be a Cubs legend. I mean, he'll be like a David Bodie, a Miguel Montero, just because of that one moment. And that's fine. Like that's great and dandy and everything, but I think we have higher expectations for Chris Morrell. I mean, he's, we're looking at, we're looking at a guy who didn't start the year in the major leagues and just absolutely raked below and then got his chance. And he's, he's proven it at a more and more or less consistent level. It reminds me a lot of, when the same thing kind of happened to Ian Happ earlier in his career. And then Happer is turned into an all-star above ground for years to come. Yeah. You've seen it with Christopher Morrell all season long. As soon as he came up, he obviously raked right away. What what do he have? Like 12 home runs in his first, yeah. however many games, whatever it might've been. He's, he's built for the moment. And we've seen that time and time again this season. And now we're just kind of seeing a hitter continue to develop before our eyes. He obviously has the strikeout problem but it's kind of getting better and better and he's getting better plate discipline as the season goes along here. And hopefully we continue to see a great player that's going to be playing for the Chicago Cubs for many years because he's just so exciting to watch. And I I think they, they really found lightning in a bottle in this kid. And he's still only, I think he's 23 years old now. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously called him up from, double a all the way to the majors last year gave him some at bats in triple a this year you know you could debate about that whether you want if they should have called him up sooner looking at it now they probably probably should have been on the opening day roster but maybe that triple a stint was for him to fix himself and come up to the major leagues and absolutely rake and be one the i would say the best power hitter on the cubs right now yeah and i think you're right with that last part that i think that was what he needed kind of like i just related it back to um ian hap's brief stint back downstairs earlier in his career uh, for a couple months there I believe that was the 2018 season 20 yeah and so that was that and so he was down there for a, a while and then came out and had 
uh, MVP type debatable season in 2020 in the shortened year. And then since then, just all-star looks year in and year out. Yeah. So I maybe think the, maybe the same as head for Christopher Morrell. I, I, I right, right. Took the words right out of my mouth. I think Christopher Morrell is a multi-time all-star to come. He, yeah. If he can continue to play the way he is, bring that into next year. I, I think we could be seeing an all-star game bid as early as next season for Christopher Morrell. Cause he's just that type of player. He is a marketable player for one of the biggest franchises in baseball. And I know right now he gets lost in the shuffle with Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger and Horner and Hap. But I mean, Morrell is just becoming that guy for the Cubbies. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how he continues to improve. Because as I said, the, the plate discipline is starting to get there. You could see him. He's starting to take balls. He's starting to re- recognize pitchers better out of the pitcher's hands. I'm I'm excited to see where he goes from here and shit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he is an all-star one day. Let's get into Ian Happ while we're on it. We'll get into that Royal series here with some Ian Happ to lead into it. Happer was taking some flack from Ben himself, from me, from plenty over the last couple of weeks who said he should not be in that three spot. And he's now gotten a hit in all of these games. We've talked about the White Sox games and all the Kansas City games and an RBI in each of the wins against Kansas City, which were hard-fought, everyone-count games. Has Ian Happ cemented his spot in that three-spot for now as David Ross's lineup just came out for the Tigers tonight and Happer is still there? Um, I'm still going to go with he shouldn't be there, if, if it's my personal opinion. Because obviously you value him being able to get on base. He has one of the highest on-base percentages in the league this year because he's taking so many walks. But just going back to the White Sox game, he came up in a big spot in the eighth inning with a runner on and one out and grounded into a double play. And that's just kind of what yeah. happens because especially in that three hole, they kind of, the the other manager kind of has the flexibility to bring in a lefty to push him to the right side, which he's just not been as good at this season as he was last year. Last year, you could have hit him for the left or right side and it wouldn't have been a problem. But I think this Cubs lineup is just so deep now where you have better options that can go into the three hole. I mean, I know people like him in the cleanup hole, but I I think belly would be a better option right now in that three spot. Maybe Jamier or uh, Dansby slide into the cleanup. And I know it's crazy. I'm saying Dansby in the cleanup, but he's been, he's been mashing the ball as of late too. So I think, I think Ian Happ, if it was st- if I was the manager, which obviously I'm not, we can we we talk about this lineup every single week and what can be fixed. I think Hap would strive better in like a six spot rather than the three hole. And I think Jamier is the one that's he has to move up in this lineup. I'm sorry, he cannot keep batting seventh and some. He was batting eighth the other day. He he needs to slide up in this lineup, and I think Hap like I love him. He, he's a great player. He's got a good glove out there, but just the way that his season's gone, I think that you're there's too many crucial outs coming out of him and clutch situations out of that three hole. Let's talk Saya. Yeah, taking the most flack out of anyone in the last couple weeks in this pod, despite the Cubs' hot streak, home run yesterday, RBIs in both Kansas City wins, also in a series that every run counted, scored in every game, found home plate in one of the games against the White Sox, two with the home run. I was there. I saw it with my own hating eyes, even though I've I've definitely said some negative things about Saya these days. Um, and it's never anything personal. He seems like an awesome player and seems so excited to be here. So to see him do well 
is exactly what we need to see, considering he's still going to be around for years to come on that big contract. Say Suzuki may have may have found something here towards the end of the season. Yeah, that that couple days off that they gave him might have worked out because it, it even starts all the way going back to that Met series from last week. Came up to in a big spot, almost obviously hit a solo homer, and after that the Cubs offense kind of went going. They couldn't couldn't obviously push one last across to force that thing in extra innings, but you know, he's I think he's had three home runs since being uh benched for a couple days and that eighth spot is just perfect for him right now where he's batting. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see that the fact that you can have that kind of power and a guy that could come in the clutch in that eighth spot. And I'm hoping that this say that we've seen the last week and a half continues to grow on that positive stretch and hopefully, you know, be great for the Cubs down the stretch here. That hits the absolute shit out of the ball. I mean, yeah. you oftentimes hear Ben swear on this podcast. I just let one loose, but it's because he just hits just he just mashes the ball, even on outs. Like one of my roommates makes fun of him a lot because um people will give him credit a lot for how hard he hits the ball, but it's like he has he's just so close. He hits the crap out of the ball. Like there's no harder out these days when it comes to just absolute speed off the bat than say Suzuki it's nuts even when even when he's out so it's just great to see him kind of straighten it up a little bit because he has the potential to be so good it all and it all depends on his swing too it all depends on when he gets that foot down obviously I think most like coaches here in America teach kids to like keep their foot down the entire way and try and twist but say obviously learned at a young age that that leg kick works for him mm-hmm. but obviously with uh, American pitching and how fast that they throw here, it, it sometimes is a negative towards him because he gets it down too slowly and he'll he'll swing and miss at most. Of that if he could if he could if he could continue to know the zone the way that he does and get that foot down in time to just absolutely smash the ball, I like he has the last couple of days. We're just going to continue to see positive growth out of him. And as I said, in that eight spot. That's exactly where we want him right now, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's batting eighth or seventh tonight. But let let's let's just keep this hot saya going. And I think if if we talk we talked about it earlier in the year how he's an X factor on this team. He could be an X factor down this this stretch run if they want to truly win this division slash make the playoffs. So we talked a little bit briefly about how every win against the Royals was truly hard fought, but I wasn't kidding. I mean, you're looking at four uh, three Royals win. Uh, on the first game and then six, four Cubs win four three Cubs win. And it seemed like every game, those insurance runs were what were crucial. And just Ben, if you want to get into it a little bit while I look something up here, just uh, an incredibly hard fought series when it didn't necessarily seem like it was going to be on paper, but definitely a good series win for the Cubs against the Royals in a grand scale. We've talked about individual performances, but just in a grand scale, the Cubs really took care of business against Kansas city because they showed up a lot more than you'd think a 40 win team would. Yeah. That and that's that's kind of how they are. They're they're young, scrappy team that's been playing better baseball of late. They're they haven't been on the winning side of that, but they're keeping these good teams. They're they're keeping these good teams close. Um, and obviously we saw that this weekend with them playing super close games here. I would have loved to see the Cubs uh, pounce on some of these starting pitchers of theirs because that's the one negative about them. They have older starting pitchers that just are not very good. 
but that lineup's scrappy and they're they're going to be good in a couple of years. It it feels like it's taking forever at this point, but we saw it this weekend and I just want to touch on it. Bobby Witt's going to be an absolute star. He he right he is he's becoming a star before our eyes, but Yeah, he already by, is. He's by, awesome. By next season like he he's becoming one of my favorite players to watch just because he's awesome. He can hit home runs. He can steal bases on you. He's like he's like Ronald Acuña right now, but he's he's got to get there. And he it's scary to have him in the league because he is going to be a star in this league. But yeah, going back to it, what you were trying to say is Cubs Cubs were scrappy this weekend. They they fought right back with them, and that's just how baseball goes sometimes. Even though you might look at the win loss record and. We talked about all week last week about how this is an easy schedule coming up. No win is easy in Major League Baseball. And no matter what the record is, who the team is, you have to become ready to play. And thankfully, the Cubs, even though I think we would have liked to seen a little more offense, it was was positive to see that they were able to play tight in these close games and come out with two wins, ultimately. With a meager 34 wins, the Oakland Athletics are the bottom of the American League. But everybody plays everybody these days after the desk of Rob Manfred signed that into legality at the start of this season. But except for that Oakland team that I mentioned, there are three other teams in the bottom four of the American League in the Chicago White Sox, Kansas City Royals, and Detroit Tigers. The Cubs, who currently sit in the third spot in the National League wildcard, and currently eyeing down that National League Central Division, now get the third of those three teams I mentioned yeah. in a row in the Detroit Tigers. So they are truly finding the right spot in their schedule at the right time. And they're winning ball games. don't get me wrong, but you need to get a sweep here in Detroit, right? Like, you you need to. Like, that's – I'm just going to say, like, okay, I'll t- I'm not going to be mad at two out of three, yeah. but considering you lost one game to the White Sox, which I wasn't happy about, and you still lost one to Kansas City, which I wasn't happy about, Make take advantage of games you can win when you can. Please win all three in Detroit. Please, you you want to win, and that's that's the goal. You want that three game sweep. But once again, as I just said, Tigers are also young and scrappy. They they know how to play. They've been they've actually been knocking down some pretty good teams here of late. I know that they took a series over Boston last weekend. So you you got to come they, ready. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they're they're. I was just gonna say they're significantly better than the than the three other teams. And yeah. The, even even by record, I mean they're fifty seven wins to uh, b- below fifty for both of our our friends on the south side and then Kansas City and Oakland. So that's they're they are the best of those three four teams that I mentioned. And I'm saying that like I want a sweep. I really want it, but only because I'm desperate after falling twice already in these first five games. Yeah. I wish it could be where I'm like, oh, two out of three is fine, and it would be fine. But I just like, okay, I kind of wanted one sweep just to keep the train rolling. And this is our last chance here against um, Detroit. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's what you hope. But the Tigers are still, I wouldn't say they're they're basically out of it, but they're not necessarily out of the AL Central considering, you know, the Twins, I think anyone think that they could fall at this point. Mm-hmm. But seven and a half out, they're still fighting. But yeah, let's let's get that sweep. I think we're going Assad tonight, the ass man. Uh Smiley is that, back. Is that the a road. Seinfeld reference? I yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> I I'm pretty sure I've seen people it calling it. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. 
someone quote tweeted my tweet with uh this the the gif from Seinfeld with the uh is it is it a gif or a gif? I heard you stutter on that. Is it a gif? What do you gif? Think? I don't really care. I've always said gif. Yeah, I think it's gif. But mm-hmm. um the with the uh what is it? I I'm I've so might some people might come at me here. I've never watched Seinfeld. I've briefly seen some episodes uh, a former roommate of mine used to really love it so i watched there and my dad loves it but i've seen that one it's there isn't it like the the doctor like the he is like a like got a, a car so, and it's the yeah, someone on the car well yeah but it, the doctor who like I, now i've dug myself in a hole i don't know what kind of doctor it is who like looks at butts or whatever but like he his like his license plate is ass man and now someone's gonna listen to this who's like actually a big seinfeld fan and like no they got it wrong that's why i'm pretty sure yeah i'm pretty sure that's the gist of the episode i think i could be wrong but anyway detroit in the next three games and then uh, a four game set against the pirates so it it gets it doesn't get much harder after that but this little streak against the bottom of the american league comes to an end after wednesday then of course an in-division matchup four games against pittsburgh pittsburgh which i'm thankful for and then that pittsburgh series leads off a stretch of just divisional games that get a lot harder a lot faster when we get home to Wrigley against the Brewers and then back on the road to start September against your Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. You want to exactly why the sweep is crucial. And obviously we talked Pittsburgh this weekend, but you want to keep pulling closer to Milwaukee. Obviously they, they swept Texas this weekend, which screw you, Texas, that absolutely pissed me off, but you want to keep pulling closer. You haven't lost ground, but Milwaukee can, after that that's that's what's most infuriating about that one White Sox loss, is because in the middle of that stretch when the when the Cubs ended up going one and one against the White Sox, the Brewers were getting swept by the Dodgers. Yeah, and I almost that, started wearing my Dodgers hat around from like T-ball because I was so excited and the Cubs couldn't capitalize. No, and that's why it's so frustrating because if you just won that one White Sox game or even the Kansas City game on Friday, you'd be two games out instead of three, and just that alone gives you a little bit more cushion going into this week, not expecting a sweep, even though you are expecting it, you want it, but it would have given you a little more cushion considering what could have been. What I'm excited about is not only a chance to continue to chase the Brewers, especially as we get a chance to play them, but I just like that the Cubs have at least in, in barring a, a really crappy streak here or some unfortunate losses against the Tigers, the Cubs have cemented themselves as a, as a good wildcard option. I mean, there's like four teams that are at 64 wins, but the Cubs have the tiebreaker right now because they have two less losses and they're going to make up those games eventually. But yeah, right now they're in that third spot. And honestly, San Francisco has 65 wins and the Phillies have 67. So if the Cubs take a sweep against the Tigers and depending what happens for those other two teams, they could bump up the wildcard standings. They could, be, they could still be trailing in this division and still be near the top, if not the top team in the NL wildcard spot, which is weird because the Brewers, who we don't give enough credit to, continue to win ball games. Except for that yeah. weird series against the Dodgers, the Brewers are kind of legit, is the problem. The Brewers yeah. like might actually be good. They're... And we've been all year we've been saying, like, you probably because you're, you know, into the statistics like a nerd, but like the Brewers. I've been saying the whole time they're frauds and they're going to fizzle out and the Cubs are going to have a cakewalk to taking this over if they start winning ball games. But no, we're winning now and it's going to take a little bit more than that. The Brewers continue to win. Yeah. Never forget my Brewers rant in our preseason predictions. I remember that. That's where I absolutely ripped them apart. I've always thought they weren't that great of a team, but they're, they're become, they, 
not even they're becoming. They have become at this point the Tampa Bay Rays of the National League because they continue to put out like I love that mid-season veterans that just you know aren't they don't look great on paper. They signed them for, like for the league minimum, and they obviously made two trades for Santana and Canna at the deadline and Santana is just absolutely raking for them right now. I think he has like four or five home runs since he came over to Milwaukee. And the other scary part about Milwaukee is earlier in the season when the Cubs were kind of sputtering and Milwaukee was just holding well at the top of the central, not really worried about anyone else. The thing about Milwaukee that I think nobody real that everyone was kind of like, Oh, okay. Maybe they're not legit was the fact that their starting pitching was struggling. Brandon Woodruff, had been out for majority of the season. Freddie Peralta was carrying like a 450 ERA, something like that. And Corbin Burns was struggling to start the year. Now we're at the point in August where all those guys are kind of coming together. Corbin Burns has been on a tear recently. Brandon Woodruff is back and sporting like a two-something ERA. Freddie Peralta is finally putting it together. That's a little worrisome for the Cubs that the biggest part of the Brewers' success over the last year and their or in the last couple of years and they're pitching, it's finally come starting to come together. And that offense, obviously with Yelich, who's having just as much of a bounce back season as Cody Bellinger is. And, you know, you get those guys like Canna and um, Santana over. It's a little scary. And yeah, I think they're pretty legit. And even if they end up, if the Cubs end up overtaking them for that NL central spot, I still think the Brewers will, firmly lock in a wild card spot yeah i mean they're they're better they have more wins right now than every single wild card spot and yeah. that's i mean it's not even like oh the nl central is so weak no it's the al central the nl central best team right now is the brewers and they're better than every wild card option by wins and that's even if it's just one they are there and i mean you're looking at devin williams who has taken off to already 30 saves uh when he had an all-star appearance this year in addition to last year and he was sharing that role with uh, Josh Hader previously before he got traded to the Padres. So you're looking at a team that has found a way in almost a Cardinals-esque way or Red Sox or Rays, like you said, to find a way to put a good team on the field year in and year out to build around what they have and even find ways to win the division when their MVP caliber player, Christian Yelich, is terrible. And oh yeah, he's playing a lot better this year than in years past. He's really figured it out, especially against the freaking Cubs. And so that whole window where everyone was like, oh, Yelich completely lost it. No, he's back. And so is their entire pitching staff. The Brewers, a Subway sandwich organization, but they scare me a bit. Yeah, for sure. I will say one positive about this weekend, though, as we kind of keep talking NL Central, is we have finally, finally broken the reds off our tail. We Thank were God. sitting at like the same at the same point in the division and wildcard with them for I don't know, for like two or three weeks now, ever since we took, was it three out of four or two out of four or two out of three against them? I think it was three out of four, correct? Yeah, three out of so. four because there was that great game four that was super close. Mm-hmm. Um, We finally broke them off our tail and they've been they've been struggling of late. So hopefully just continue. At the end of the day, as much as we want the NL Central, just making the playoffs is a successful season. Exactly. And well, I don't, and I, you, you go and I got something. I don't think people realize that because of the way that we talk about this team, because we are so heavy focused on winning the NL Central. But you're talking about a team that came into this year with the expectation of just improving from last season. And improving, in my eyes, is was always just 
find find your way into that wild card spot. The, if you win the central, that is awesome, and that would be great. But just find your way into that wild card spot. Get to the playoffs. Maybe make a run. Who knows? But at the end of the day, if this team makes the playoffs and just just makes it, I I'm happy with it, and I'm ready to build even more into the next season. So run me through this because I always forget. So how it's going to work, right, is that the top division winner is going to play the worst wild card team to start the playoffs. So it will be. It's it's a leaning. It's it's definitely going to be this way. So I don't even have to say it's leaning. The Braves and the Dodgers are going to get buys. Right. So and then, then the the worst division winner plays the best wild card team. No. So the so the Brewer. Let's just say the Brewers as it would shake up right now. The Brewers would play. Are we the six or are we the five right now? The brew we would play the Brewers. Let's just say we're six. We're, we're the, the six s- right now. Okay, yeah, we're the six. So we would play the Brewers, and then they would be the home team for three, obviously. And then the Phillies would play the Giants, and the Phillies would get Got three it. home games. Got it. Which feels backwards to me. I feel like the Brewers should have to play the best option of the wild or the, the four, but I guess that doesn't make sense seating wise. But. So what I, I ask all that only one because I was just wanted general clarification because it's so uh, different and two yeah. because like you said division or not it's all just one big jumble right now like in the playoffs as they currently stand it's all just a big jumble like you get a, a nice pennant if you win the division but it's just one big jumble it's a big melting pot of matchups so you're gonna have a tough opponent no matter what no I matter mean, what. whether whether it's the Brewers or the Dodgers like you're like let's say we do win this or well no if we win the division we would probably play Milwaukee again or whoever the top wild card seed is yeah or well no whoever the sixth wild card seed is which would probably be like San Francisco maybe Philly maybe the Padres the Padres they figure it out maybe the Reds the Marlins it's such a mix like any of these teams Cubs included go on a three or four game losing streak pack your bags go make a golf membership it's so tight right now it is really tight and I wouldn't say pack your bags necessarily because of that. That sixth spot is kind of like, as you said, it's a jumbled mess. Arizona was in an absolute free fall, and I think they went six of ten this past week, and now they're, I think they're right there with. This is true. They're, they're at sixty four with the Cubs now. Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati, and um, they're right there. They're right there with us now too. After they kind of fell out of it, so. Well, the it's Cubs a- have played two less games. Is the problem? So the Cubs are going to get. It could be a great thing or it could be a problem. A bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's gonna be tight. Stick with us here as we uh, continue to fight for a playoff spot. Because at the end of the day, as we said, that is the goal. Winning a division is phenomenal, but the goal to feel satisfied just make just get to the dance because anything could happen. I'll end the pod with this. This is one thing Ben and I've talked about on the podcast a lot before. <clears throat> the National League wild card standings, as I currently have them pulled up, I don't have it off the top of my head, but. The Cubs run differential is so much more positive than everybody else. I mean, Philly's 44, but like the Giants are eight. The Reds are like 27 under. The Padres are like 57 up. But then the Cubs are 65 up in that sixth seed spot, which is better than the Brewers and then doesn't even come close to the Dodgers or the Braves. But like the Braves at two plus 212 and then the Dodgers at plus 143. So uh, the Cubs far and away the best run differential team out of these NL wildcard teams. And it's uh, that doesn't go unnoticed that here, here with about 40 games left, that tells you why they are uh, still currently sitting in a playoff spot. 
And it just kind of goes to show we've been talking about run differential all year, but it kind of just goes to show how unlucky this team was in the second half of the year, or excuse Mm -hmm. me, in the first half of the year, because there were so many close games that they could have just pulled out and, you know, we'd be feeling probably more comfortable about our our position that we're in right now, if they were able to pull those games out earlier in the season. But yeah, it just kind of, just kind of shows how unlucky this team is. And it goes into uh, the Pythagorean theorem of, uh, you know, you got to mention it, but it goes right back in that that Pythagorean run percentage. I mean, look at the Padres. You mentioned it. Yeah. Did you say plus 57? Yeah. Plus 57 right there with the Cubs. Have you seen the stat about the Padres this year? That they, how unlucky they are in one run, one run games. Oh yeah. 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 I think they've won like three games were by like one run this year that have been decided by one run and they have yet to win an extra inning game. They've lost 11 extra inning games this season. So they're, they're going to find a way to jump into this mix. Oh, for sure. And for all the, for all the run differential truthers and not truthers out there, you know, it could be deflated sometimes and, or excuse me, inflated. I think, I think it shows when you just look at the Cubs and Padres, how it can truly and you look at their records that sometimes it's just all about luck and that these, these one run games are important to win. Plus 212. My God, the Atlanta Braves. I I mean, every time I see a stat about that team, like I hope we make the playoffs and have some fun, but it is going to be hell and back for any NL playoff team to try and beat that team in a seven or five or three game series. Um, just they are nuts. How many games are they going to win? I mean, we're we're sitting at 80 and 43 right now. So theoretically, all of pretty much 40 games left, like 39 that that they they might 105. Go they might go yeah. 30 and 10 in that stretch. Maybe a little maybe a little 110, less, a couple yeah. less wins. Yeah, They're, I mean, my only my only thing that might stop them from getting to 110 is they might they're going to win this division within like the next like month. Yeah, like they they're, might they're start... gonna yeah they're gonna phone it in probably. I mean they don't want to go too cold, but they also don't want to get an untimely injury or something. And that's that's the one positive thing when you look down this schedule for us. We play Atlanta in that last week. They should have this thing wrapped up by then. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they're just trying young starters that maybe can make a name for themselves in the playoffs or you know down the line in the future. That's the one positive thing about looking at the schedule or not one positive, but that's a positive thing about it is a positive schedule going down the line. You play Atlanta that last week. You should usually, I think most people are fearing that, but got to take into account that they're probably going to start toning it in and resting guys that last week because they're, they're going to have the number one seed locked up. They're going to have everything locked up They're They're going to be just fine. I don't have anything to compare it to. I almost want to look up what the run differential was at this time for like some of the other greatest teams in recent years, but 200 runs more than your opponent. That just seems unfair. That's insane. That's nuts. I mean, that we know they're good. We had to, we beat them two out of three, but we saw to that lineup every day and there's no weak spots. No, I mean, they are unstoppably good. They have, they had uh, Ozzy Albies is down for a couple of days with an injury and Mm. They call up Nikki or not call up, but they traded for Nikki Lopez from the Royals at the deadline. And Nikki Lopez slides right in that lineup and hits two home runs for them. Like, come on. I think he had like two home runs previously. They just find guys. They're just one of those teams. They're never they they can lose they they can afford to lose guys like Freddie Freeman and Dancy Swanson and still be the best team in Major League Baseball. It's absurd. 
Oh my god. It's just nuts. Yeah. And then and then it's not like Freddie and Dansby fell off either. They're both having I mean, Freeman's looking at a potential MVP season still, and Dansby's damn good on his own. I mean, he's he's hitting with great power. He's that never before seen in his career. Yeah. So this is this is incredible. Before we go, uh, we'll do we'll talk what once briefly here about a certain Marcus Stroman. Yeah. That is a that's a a shadow right now in the Cubs. Oh, otherwise positive outlook. What's going on with with the the Stroman? It's it's a big blow. He's out the year. I know they haven't officially announced it yet or anything like that, and he's still got to go through. I think he's not. He can't start throwing for like another two weeks now. It, when you hear that, that you can't start throwing for a couple of weeks, that's that's the immediate like, yeah, yeah, he's done for the in year. August and late August. So what does that do for your for your three guys? If you do, if you do stay in a playoff spot, you're saying like, what would be your three man rotation if you get in the playoffs? Yeah, I think I know what I would say, but I want to hear what I want to hear what the mind, the statistical mind of Benjamin Hootie has to say about that. Oh, man. I mean, OK, Steele, obviously. Yeah. I think Hendricks you go, probably Hendrick, you go Hendricks yeah. and then you go Assad or the ass man. J-Mo. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a coin flip of. I decisions. think they would lean JMO. Yeah. Because just by... and, and you have Assad ready whenever, depending on like what this, yeah, you have Assad and smiley ready whenever. Cause that will be the situation where it might call for it. Like, if he if he gets himself in trouble in that first inning right away, gives up a run, Assad's immediately warming up. I would think if Tyone were to be your third starter, and yeah. then same goes if Assad's the third starter and Jamos goes to the bullpen. I feel like Justin Steele had enough of a coming out party for the All Star game, but if if nothing, everyone in the world's going to know his name if the Cubs somehow go on a playoff run because Justin Steele is going to have to have like a mad bum style playoffs where like oh he's coming God. in every other game for a couple innings. And uh, same goes for Kyle Hendricks. If this is it for Kyle Hendricks on the Cubs, he's going to work in yeah. the playoffs. And I feel bad for the guy because that's just not where he is in his career right now. But I don't think he's going to shy away from the challenge. That's for sure. He never has. He's always he's... been your go-to guy in the playoffs. I, I, I can't think of a bad Kyle Hendricks start in the playoffs. No, even no. even the games that they lost. I remember against no. Miami, he threw, maybe gave up one run when they lost Miami no. in that stupid wild we don't card talk about in that 2020. Series, yeah. yeah. Um, Chipper Jones know. and Boog telling me that the Cubs were terrible since they won the World Series. Hey, here's Rizzo batting again. You know that Rizzo, Baez, and Brian are 167 combined since they won the World Series in the playoffs? Yeah, Boog, I knew that. God, I muted that game. I didn't like Boog at the time. He's come around to me as the Cubs announcer now, but uh, for the most part, uh, even though we've talked about that. But, God, that series pissed me off. Hendricks, the only living, breathing pitcher to um, start in a World Series winning game for the Cubs, I guess. I mean, that's kind of an obvious fact. But, uh, like, no, like, to win the world series, not like to win a game. I mean, we, yes, we know about the John Lester's and the Jake Arrieta's of the world. Yes. They're still alive and doing well. Arietta used to have a podcast and John Lester's probably off in a boat somewhere with a beer and a fishing pole living yep. his best life. Hanging out with John Lackey and Travis Wood. Yeah. At the, at the, what was it? The Zach Brown band concert or something like that? Or Morgan, Morgan Wallen. Wallen or Morgan Wallen. Did yeah. you see that about like David Ross great. said there were a couple beers stolen from his fridge and from his office, a couple of yeah. vulgar, a couple of vulgar notes written on his desk. I love that. Oh man, I wonder what John Lester's doing. He's he's got he's got to have something left. Get back over here. To, no, I'm kidding. He, he doesn't have anything left. He yeah. he barely squeaked it his 200th win with uh 
with the Cardinals, which is going to be an all-time trivia question. You know, Hall of very good MLB pitcher John Lester got his 200th career win with this National League franchise and teams are people in trivia. Are, well, the Cubs are National League, but it wasn't the Cubs. It's gonna the Cubs are gonna be the first guess, and then they're like the A's, the Red Sox. Nope, Cardinals. Cardinals. What's or not that he's a National too, but nope, yeah. Cardinals. One more, one more thing. Um, is Adam Wainwright gonna get his two hundredth win? <laughs> What's he at now? I know he's one ninety eight. One ninety eight. Oh my god. So oh what has he got? God, I knew him? he was close. Seven starts left, maybe. Oh, he's got it. He's got. He's has to get it. His I buddy Pujols so. turned it on to get seven hundred home runs. It does. Pujols was decent Pujols, the whole season, the entire season, right? I yeah. I don't know if Wainwright does it, dude. And Oof. even though Wainwright is my, I don't know. Do I like Wainwright? I don't really know. He seems like a good guy, but it'd be pretty funny if he. He seems like a fine guy. Yeah, he, there, I he, think. Uh, I think the reason he came back this year was get two hundred. Even though oh, I, yeah. he definitely came back also for like a deep Cardinal playoff run, hopefully, or that they were hoping for. But 200 definitely played a factor in that. I've said it for years. If he's, if he's, it's, it works, it's twofold. Neither him nor Lester should be Hall of Famers. But if one's in, the other's in. They have nearly identical resumes. Yeah. And they, if one's in, the other's in. But I don't oh. think either will. But if they like ease up on the voting and it becomes like basketball where everyone who dribbled to basketball is in the Hall of Fame, like maybe like Lester and Wainwright will get in. But it's true about basketball, by the way. But like if oh, you're not like wrong. they'll they'll maybe get in if they if they ease up. But for as exclusive as the baseball Hall of Fame is, they're neither of them are gonna make it. But like you can't have one without the other. Right. So that, but three World Series, both of them, right? I think they both have three World Series. Runs. Uh no, I actually I just looked it up and it's like I just was looking when I was looking at his stats. First, I don't know why. I'm going to admit this live on the pod. I've never been into the Cardinal trivia. Why was Wayno not on the team in 2011? He was like, it just skips over it on Baseball Reference. If somebody, if somebody knows, please let me know. I don't. Well, I, I remember look up- he won his first. He was the closer the year that they won their first one. Right. Yeah, in 06. So that's his, yeah. that's a ring he has for sure. But it just said 06 on his. On his, um, oh, he was injured the whole year. I guess he had Tommy John, but uh, so they, just because he they missed probably the whole gave year, him a ring, yeah, he I'm sure, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. part of the team. The Cardinals made the playoffs as a wild card entry, um, defeating the Texas Rangers in the World Series. Yeah, I'm sure he has like a ring technically from that. It's like but Frank it's, Thomas with the 2005 right. White Sox, he didn't like play a single game that year, and he's got David Price with name. the COVID year Dodgers. He oh, yeah, ended up auctioning off the ranks. He wasn't, he didn't play because of injuries and COVID and stuff. So I'm sure it's a sour topic. I'm sure he's like, oh man, I didn't earn that. But like he's been with Uncle Charlie's been with the team like for like since I was a thought. So he he deserves to be uh getting both of those rings. And I would say for uh just like I was happy for Lester, I would be happy to see Wainwright get 200 wins, but it's gonna be tight. It's gonna <laughs> he just keeps getting lit up here. He's batting practice for essentially every team at this point. So he's just gotta lock it in one or two starts and you know, talk to uh, Wilson Contreras or whoever's catching for the Cardinals these days and get it in. Andrew Nisner. Andrew Kisner. The, uh, well, we're going to, because it's spelled like Nisner, so I always say that. But um, we'll uh, we'll maybe be watching college football and they'll, for the third straight year, they'll just cut. Aaron Judge has gotten number 58 and he's still four-way. Albert Pujols has gotten number 697. He's still three-way. Adam Rainwhite. Wainwright has gotten like two outs in the ninth away from win number 200. 
I swear to God, they're not, they can't, they won't, they won't do that. It was not, it was not like, it's not a home run. It's not one thing. Like, there's no at bat for Matt, someone to get 200th career win. Matt Olson and Otani have kind of lost pace, right. To like break mm-hmm. the national league record. Yeah. Well, so th- it can't happen they, again. They don't count the steroid guys for some reason, which is just yeah. BS. But I know Olson was on a crazy pace and he's, he's still hitting home runs, but I, I guess that pace ain't gonna going to get the job done to have two back-to-back record-breaking seasons. Well, I if know Matt, Otani was for a little bit, too, to break judges. If, like you just said, if Matt Olson gets to, like, 60-something, it's just, like, great season, Matt. But for some reason, it was a huge deal when Judge did it because it was just the American League record. I mean, but you're looking at 73 or whatever it is for Bonds and 66 for Sosa and 68 or whatever it is for, for Big Mac. Uh, yeah, Olsen is gonna, Olsen's still going to be behind all those guys, and it yeah. should be that way. They, like... They brought back the sport. That's a topic for a different day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. That's that's probably all we should leave it at. Please lose. Did the what was oh what was this? Did the Yankees just lose or something? What are you talking about? No, I just oh you judge. Were, you oh. were ripping on Aaron Judge, so I just wanted to throw it in there. They did not yeah. just lose, but they are losing a lot. Did you yeah. uh? Yeah, they are. They might be fully out of it. Did you see the clip of Frank Fleming saying Yank the Yankees lose with uh Big Poppy? Yeah, all time clip. It was all time. And it, and I love Matt Olson saying also that they watch Frank Fleming videos to get hyped to beat the Mets. Great interview on part of my just takes. just just textbook all yeah. all together. I would root for the Braves. Honestly, if the Cubs get knocked out early in the playoffs or don't make it, I would root for the Braves. I know it's an easy team to jump on the bandwagon for, but I've I've always liked the Braves. I'm okay with them. Yeah, they got a lot of likable guys on that team. Even though I think, and I don't know if they're listening to this or else they'll come at us. Braves Twitter is disgustingly toxic. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get into it. They are scary. They have a. They hate Dansby Swanson for some reason. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get into it. They are scary and don't don't mess with them. Even though I might have just poked the bear, they might be in our <laughs> mentions now. Um, but yeah, they are. They their their Twitter is disgustingly toxic. Morgan Wallen running live to the studio the minute the Braves get knocked out of the playoffs to record 23 Braves when it was somehow a better season than 98 and they still didn't win. Good night. Go Cubs.